finding your way back to your seat. And the children were just excused. And we just celebrated the graduates. And I don't know if you've realized that you have a part in answering the prayer that we just prayed for those that are growing up, and growing up especially in the context of the church. And we have people that work every Sunday with our children in the Sunday morning classes, and praise God for them. They take a break in July and August. So that means you get a chance. Those of you that think, moi, I don't work with kids. I don't know how to work with kids. I don't know how to do the Sunday morning program. It is easy schmeasy, truly. They're making it about as accessible as possible. So we're going to sign or pass this around. It's the sign-up board. You're going to see the slots that are still waiting for you to sign up. And make sure this gets passed, if you will, row, 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 all the way around. And see about signing up for one of these Sundays and getting to be an answer to the prayer that we just prayed for our kids. I know, they're all looking away like, oh, no. Oh, no, don't make me. Our scripture this morning is Acts chapter 3. It's the whole chapter. And this book of Acts is about how Jesus, when he was risen from the dead, he was ascended to the right hand of God, but not absent because he pours out his Holy Spirit and amazing things are happening. And the risen Jesus is very much experienced and alive in the midst of God's people in the world. So we are in the next chapter of this, Acts chapter 3. I was reading this chapter to Phyllis Descania yesterday. She, is, she was in the hospital because she broke her hip. They put a pin in there, and they've moved her to Carlmont. And uh, I was, it's a long chapter, and I thought, okay, she's totally with me here in the first half, and I think I lost her for the second half. But she did have pain medication, so I'm hoping you all can hang in there because this is a healing story from beginning to end. So Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 26, let's pray, and then we'll listen to God speak to us. Let's pray. Living Jesus Christ, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will speak to each one of us individually, to all of us together as your people in this place this morning. Amen. Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, listen to God's word to you. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon, and a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. But they were filled with wonder 
and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and you know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is, Jesus, who must remain in heaven until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you from your own people a prophet like me. You must listen to whatever he tells you. And it will be that everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be utterly rooted out of the people. And all the prophets, as many as have spoken from Samuel and those after him, also predicted these days. You are the descendants of the prophets and of the covenant that God made to your ancestors, saying to Abraham and in your descendants, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. So he was 40 years old. We don't know his name, but we do know that everybody there knew him well, especially the people that were regulars going up to the temple. They had known him since the time he was an adult and had to be carried by somebody. People were regularly assigned, it sounds like, to carry him to the temple in order to beg for alms because that's the only way that he could make a living. So they knew about him from the time he was born that his legs and his ankles and his feet didn't work and they weren't going to work. And so he was 100% dependent on others. They also knew that he had his own strategic spot that he had picked out on the east side of the temple. It was this particular gate that was stunningly beautiful, 75 feet high, covered with silver and gold. It was called the beautiful gate. And that beauty 
maybe in his mind contrasted with his misery so that people that were going into the temple would be moved with pity for him, moved to give him what he was asking for. Because these Jews were prayerful, because they'd be the kind of people that would be thoughtful and compassionate, perhaps they would give him alms. So Peter and John are going up to the temple at the time of prayer, right at the time that this 40-year-old man, lame from birth, is being set down, and he sees Peter and John, and he looks at them, hoping that they will give him something. And they engage him. I'm sure, like us, it was easy to just walk by panhandlers and just get numb to it. But they look at him, and they ask him to look at them. So he does. He looks at them, and then they say this, Peter in particular, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And this man who had never had functional feet, ankles, legs, stands up. Stands up. They grab him. He grabs him by the hand, helps him stand up. And he's not only standing, which is amazing, and he's not only walking, but he's leaping and praising God and going into the temple with him. As you can imagine, all these people who knew this man, they knew how lame he was, hopelessly lame. All of a sudden are fixated on this amazing thing that has happened, this amazing healing. So they all rush in, we are told, toward this man. They know him well. And of course they would be filled with the same things that we would be filled with if we saw this happen ourselves. All these questions. How did this happen? How did you do this? Looking at Peter and John. Questions that we probably have today. How did that happen? And how come it doesn't happen so much now with the church? What was it with these two and these apostles that they had so much faith? Or maybe questions like, why are some people healed and other people aren't healed? All kinds of fascination, all kinds of attention, all kinds of questions just zeroed in on this healed man and this amazing healing story. So it's absolutely stunning that Peter, when he sees all of them rushing in, fixated on this amazing healing story, that he can actually take their attention away from the spectacular healing, focus it on the spectacular healer. That's exactly what he does. He moves all of their focus, all of their fascination, all of their questions, all of their attention to the one who is the amazing healer behind this amazing healing story and ask them, why do you wonder at this? Now, isn't that an amazing question? <laughs> but then he goes on to the next question. Why do you wonder at this and stare at us as though it's by our own power that this man is healed and standing and walking and leaping in front of you? And then he lifts up the greatness of who Jesus Christ of Nazareth is. The God you're going in to worship right now, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of your ancestors, the God of the covenant, the one you have heard all the prophets speak about, look forward to, from Moses to Samuel and on and on. They were pointing to him, and then you hear this barrage of titles. 
He is God's Messiah. He is the Holy One. He is the Righteous One. He is the servant of God. And this is the one that's the most stunning to me. He is the author of life. When there were healings throughout Scripture, it was evidence that the presence of God was near. The kingdom of God had come near. When you saw things like this happen, that's exactly what Peter is saying. I cannot read this story without thinking about David Sheeran and Street Church. Street Church is a ministry in Redwood City and also in Menlo Park, but we're most aware of it in Redwood City, that has church services outside Monday night, Wednesday night, offering food for the hungry and a worship service for many who are homeless and probably would not go to church except for this street church offering. And David Sharon was invited, he is now the director of Street Life Ministries, to come to our deacons meeting a week ago Tuesday and talk about how do we respond to panhandlers, which is a difficult thing, isn't it? Several of you came. It was a wonderful evening. I wasn't able to be there, but I heard a lot about it and what he spoke about. David Sharon is the perfect person to talk about this because he was a panhandler. He was living on the streets. He was shooting up. He was stealing. He was a desperate man. And so he would do anything to continue his addiction and his habit. And 11 years ago, he became whole. He became clean and sober and has continued clean and sober. But also, there was not only that amazing wholeness given to him in moving out of his addiction, but also he moved into a saving relationship with the healer. His wife describes it as going from a dope connection to a hope connection. This man is now so zealous, not only to talk about the ministry of street church, giving a hand to people who are homeless, many of whom are mentally ill. Over half of them are veterans, many of whom are in their addiction. He is not only excited about the work of street church, but he's also excited about the opportunity to help them know the author of life, the healer himself, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which comes through the worship service and also church people being involved. He said that when he is approached by a panhandler, somebody's asking for a handout, he does not give them money because he knows exactly where that money goes. What he does do is he first asks them, can I help you? Can I help you get into a recovery program? Can I help you get into a shelter? Do you need any help? And if they say no, the next question he will ask is, do you need food? Are you hungry? Do you need anything to eat? If they say no, he also has a third question, would you like me to pray for you? He said he rarely finds that anyone turns him down for the offer of prayer. And in that praying, he's holding together what Peter is holding together here. The greatness of God's healing, but also the greatness of God's healer. You know, Peter shifts the focus amazingly, not only from this person getting on his feet, but the one who gets us all on our feet, the one who actually made our feet the one who made everything about us. A really, really important shift. 
But there's another really interesting shift that Peter makes in this story, which was very convicting for me. He is talking to the people who probably in their own minds don't need healing, who are walking up to the temple and they are giving alms and they are generous and they're interested in prayer and they're worshiping people and they're going in very mindful of the ones who do need healing, like the man who was lame from birth. And Peter is letting them know, no, you are the ones who need healing. In some ways, this can sound very harsh as you listened to the passage because Peter dials right in on them. After talking about the greatness of who Jesus Christ is, he dials in on them and he says, you handed him over. Pilate was ready to let him go. You, you wanted him killed. You actually asked for a murderer to be given to you. You rejected God's holy one, God's righteous one. You killed the author of life. God raised him up. And yes, you did this in ignorance because you did not know how great he truly was. But God knew that you needed healing, that you needed to find a way to receive God's blessing that you were inclined to reject in the way that it came to you. So when God raised up his servant, he came first to you. First to you, wanting to bless you first. So repent. Turn to God. And when you do that, there will be this threefold blessing that will be poured out upon you. All of your sins will be wiped out. Times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. I think that's one of my favorite lines in the whole Bible. Times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. I just went on vacation last week. I like times of refreshing. And so do you. And I'm pretty sure that I have to make them happen, those times of refreshing. No, here's a promise. Times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And not only that, everything that is lame, everything that is out of joint, not only in our bodies, but in us and in this world, will be restored when God sends Jesus back. So it's not just those who are begging, those who obviously look like they need help, like that lame man. It's not only them who need healing. We all need healing. We all need healing. Many of you know that once a month, I go to Street Church to give the message at the worship service on the fourth Wednesday of the month, and it's also, it's always, rather, a very humbling experience. It's a very different congregation there than here. And preparing for how to bring the greatness of who Jesus is and his love for them and his healing, praying that whatever I say will make sense to people that are living a very different life than I'm living. And so I pray and I hope and I prepare a message, hoping that it will draw them closer to God's love and healing in Jesus Christ. And I have to tell you, every time I go to street church, I always come away thinking, oh man, heal me. Heal me author of life, heal me. Why do I feel that way every time I come away from street church? Any of you who've been around people that are in recovery in the 12-step program who are working the steps, 
they keep it real. They know of their brokenness. And when you are in their midst, you can't help but know of your own brokenness too. There is no getting away from it. They are just what I call but honest about themselves. And in that atmosphere, you can be but honest about yourself too. And I am. So I realize it's not just about them needing to hear from me because they're the broken people. No, I, I am broken. Very aware of my own brokenness. The other thing that's very striking when I go to street church is we gather in a prayer before the worship service starts. I'm holding hands with people that I would never see in my day-to-day life. A man on my left is praying in Spanish and crying his heart out to God uh, because he knows of his desperate need. The man on my right has been living on the street for years and years and years, and he too is weeping and crying out to God. They are aware of how much they need God. They are aware of how much they need that community. So grateful for Street Church. And one more thing about Street Church that always humbles me. They are not embarrassed to talk about Jesus and what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection and how that changes everything, changes the landscape, changes them, gives them hope, gives the world hope, offers us salvation. And every time I come away from being with them, I'm thinking, wow, I feel like I don't even know the gospel. That I hardly even preach the gospel because they are so filled with gospel and the importance of the gospel and believing the gospel. Made me aware that sometimes I am embarrassed to lean into the name of Jesus. I realized this the other day when I was on social media. There's a lot of things that come up on social media that are just really cool. I love them, and I share them, and I repost them so that other people can see them too. Well, there was this one post that came up about Muslims coming to Jesus and becoming believers in Jesus Christ. And I read it, I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. But I did not share that. Why didn't I share that? Partially because the name of Jesus is used in so many ways that are not respectful or that are embarrassing. But it was convicting to me that I would not share that. I will share beatbox, you know, competitions and dances and all kinds of funky things on Facebook and every other thing, but I did not share that. Author of life, heal me. Those two apostles, same with Street Church, what I have, I give you. I can't heal you from your addiction. They know that. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me extend my hand to you and help you stand up and walk. But let it be known that it is Jesus Christ who is the healer. And if I don't give the only thing we have to give, then what am I doing here? This healing story, it's an amazing healing story. This man, lame from birth, standing on two legs. But it's also an amazing opportunity to lift up the greatness of the name of the healer. It is in his name that he was made strong, and any of us 
who are healed, no matter how that healing comes, comes in and through the love and the fullness of God's blessing in Jesus Christ, whether we say that or not. All of us need healing. Author of life, this is where the message came back full circle for me. Heal me, me who thinks that it's the other people that need the healing. Me who thinks or denies your greatness before others. Me who thinks that times of refreshing will come from what I do. Forgive me. Refresh me. Restore all things. Let's pray.